This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Are you tired of the endless stream of fantasy marketing and vanity metrics? Yeah, so am I. My name is James Patrick, and I'm an internationally published photographer, media specialist, and marketing strategist. I'm also a student of professional development, and like you, I've been left frustrated by all of this influencer-driven generic advice, making us think that we are just one course, conference, or manifestation away from the life of our dreams. We need to cut through this crap and move beyond the posturing, beyond the facade, beyond the image, to take real action on the real work that will create the real results. This is the Beyond the Image podcast. My guest today, no stranger of the show, the man, the myth, the legend himself, Regan Rogerson. Regan, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. How you doing, James? Doing good. You might have the only like Zoom setup that I've preferred more than my own. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of like yours. Yours is a bit more like techno technologically advanced looking. Well, I got I got the low key, but you got <laughs> I, you got the like the the soft focus. Like you're at, you're at two eight. You got the plants in the background. You got a Pac Man arcade behind you. I feel like you probably have a lot more fun in your office. Absolutely do. I, I won't I won't deny that. So I was the, watching the, the part you the part you can't see is all my toys are over on this side. Like my '80s wrestling dolls and uh, my A Team action set, and oh shit! Maybe next time I'll uh, I'll line up the top shelf there. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna that. need to. I got I got my uh, coincidentally I got my toy shelf on the other side of my camera, so, nice. but I but but my toys are still in boxes because I'm a nerd. That's, <laughs> <laughs> there's 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 no other reason. Um, I, I was watching one of your uh, one of your live sessions last week. Uh, where you're interviewing one of our get published live Fiposium attendees, Nadine Dumas. And you were talking to her about what her really what her nurture and content strategy is. And she was diving into a lot of what she does via Instagram slash Facebook, et cetera. And you, you really started to get into opportunities she could have with YouTube, which, you know, she admittedly had not really explored too terribly much. And that really got me thinking it'd been, it'd been a while since we've had you on the show. I've had this desire to get very intentional and very focused and aggressive with YouTube going into 2023. Um, but I'm just curious from your perspective, cause this is, this is your wheelhouse. Is, is it too late for us to be pushing into YouTube? And if it's not too late, why is 2023 the right year to even start? Well, 2023 is definitely the the, the time to start um, more than ever before. Um, YouTube is continuing to do all the things that I love about it, um, but it's also been incorporating a lot of the things that you you see on you know TikTok and and uh, Instagram and Facebook and things like that. So they're really becoming the total platform. And um, I mean, I I've been on here before, like you said, and, and make no bones about it, I'm very pro YouTube in terms of business and brand building, um, you know, 
the the hardest thing with YouTube and, and a lot of this I think pertains to fitness as well is in the fitness industry, I think when you're on the other social media platforms, you get a much faster return on your investment in terms of uh, exposure or or uh, feedback or likes or things like that. YouTube is much slower. Um, and I think a lot of people, they either have a hard time with that, um, whether it's a patience thing or something, but it, it just gets to the point where where they start and they stop uh, way too soon um, b- before it really gets a chance to kick in and go. But but definitely there's a lot of things, there's new things happening that we haven't spoken about before. Um, but yeah, I mean, absolutely. You're a perfect example of somebody who could be doing very well on YouTube, both from an exposure standpoint and from a financial standpoint, um, which are two things I'm sure matter to you, <laughs> matter to all of us. When you talk about it being slower, is that is that more so in the the work it takes to like start to ascend or acclimate to an audience to start to bring in new subscribers versus let's say Instagram, which has that immediate feedback because yeah. you post something and you're already getting a hundred, two hundred, five hundred likes or views right in your channel right away. Whereas YouTube, you might have to be a little bit more strategic to to earn those views. Right. I think the biggest difference, like if we use Instagram as an example, um, Instagram is like your your Instagram channel or or account. It's a community. Um, within that community, I would guess, um, you know, there might be some friends and family, but I, I would a lot of people, they have that on Facebook. Um, but for you, it's probably a lot of colleagues, a lot of photographers who are watching you, a lot of models who you've shot with, a lot of models who would like to shoot with you. Um, it's a lot of people, there, there's much more um, kind of elbow rubbing, hobnobbing things there. So on, on James Patrick's uh, Instagram channel, the focal point is James Patrick. On James Patrick's YouTube channel, the focal point is photography. And that to me is the biggest difference. Um, you know, you're not getting, you know, saying that it's a sympathy like is not the right word for it. But when you're on Instagram, people like your stuff. So you like their stuff. They like their, they like your stuff because they want you to see them liking their stuff. And I'm sure a lot of people like your stuff. But with with YouTube, you have to find a very particular crowd who, you know, let's say you do a channel and you're focusing a lot on behind the scenes, um, health and fitness photography, gaming magazine covers, um, how to make a model pose, a lot of stuff like that. So you're looking for a very particular audience. Um, But when, when saying that, that very particular audience is hundreds of thousands of people, um, you know, who are photographers, who, who are fitness people or like, but it's a matter of finding them through your content instead of them just following you because it's James. Uh, and I think that's the biggest difference. And that's why it takes longer because you need to make content good enough to, to pull these people in and get them to subscribe. You bring up a couple really, really important points. And you're right. I think, you know, so much of when we think about social media, we think about Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, it's it's so centered on the individual creating the content and why they are the person to to notice or to pay attention to. Whereas on YouTube, just based off the just the way it's built, it's built based off content first. What is the purpose of the content? What's the value of the content? What question is the content answering or problem that the content is solving? And yeah. you know, I think about 
more often than not, when I have a query, um, I, I would go, I know YouTube is the number two search engine next to Google and I know Google owns it, but I actually use YouTube first because mm -hmm. it's easier for me to, to get a question answered in a video format than reading a blog article or reading, you know, some, yep. some, uh, you know, forum or something like that, which, which Google would, would ping back. So I will always default to YouTube to, to answer queries. And it's amazing the amount of content I've found that I've then opted into. I've subscribed to that channel because the content satiated a need I had or a desire I had or a problem I wanted to overcome. Yeah. And I think too, like when I, when I talk about, uh, you know, the, the difference in how you present yourself on YouTube, that's very much my opinion. Uh, I mean, there may be people that say the exact opposite, but I think that's where uh, oftentimes the trouble happens is somebody who's very successful on TikTok or on Instagram, they they try to utilize the same output in terms of how they present themselves on YouTube. And it's and as I said, it's a different platform. And I always look at it not from the popularity standpoint. I mean, if you're looking to build a brand, build a business, we're beyond the 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 realm of views and likes. That doesn't matter anymore. I mean, I've said in the past, my second YouTube channel that I started actually started making money at about, I think it was 126 subscribers. Um, and that's not Google money or, or AdSense money or things like that. That's products and services. And, and now it's at the point where it, it brings in, for me, an astonishing amount of money um, because I've managed to build up different products, services, coaching, um, um, programming, all these different things that are surrounded in addition to doing the um, the actual members content and the community content. Um, so it's just, it's a different strategy. I think that a lot of people, they, they don't realize they look at all social media platforms as kind of being the same thing. And they just kind of put up the same presentation. They'll take the same video and they'll put it on all four platforms. And, and, you know, different times I've used the analogy of, of uh, nightclubs, you know, you could play a, a, a soca song that will go over great in a soca club. It may not go over at a country Western bar. It may not go over at a hard rock bar or, or pub or something like that. So, you know, it can be a great song and your video can be a great video for Instagram or for YouTube or for LinkedIn, but maybe not for all four or five of these things. Um, so, and again, and I know there's people out there, famous people that, that really promote, you know, hundred pieces of content a day and take it and put it in all these places. And uh, I don't think that really works when you're trying to build a niche audience to sell products and services to. And I don't know anyone who has that sort of time and bandwidth. So I heard this theory, I'm curious your thoughts on it. It was that for general brand awareness, individuals can still use Instagram or now so so many are leaning into apps like TikTok but for nurturing and conversion they need YouTube they need YouTube for people to truly get a better sense of the value that they offer I'm curious what what your take is on on that basically systemization of the different platforms like to me, I kind of pull Instagram and Facebook together because it is the same company. Um, Facebook, unless you are paying them, paying for advertising, is just a dead issue. You you cannot grow on Facebook. Um, and again, there there's some very smart people that are in 
you know, in our circle of friends who might say otherwise. Um, I'm just going by my own opinion on that. Um, Instagram, it's the same thing, you know, like you can put it in perspective with, you know, your own interactions on Instagram. I know for myself, if I go on Instagram, it's usually short bursts. I don't go on Instagram I, to look up anything. If I, if I need, even if I need, let's say I, I'm trying to figure out something with one of my cameras, I'm not going to your Instagram account, even though you're a good photographer, because I, I just, I just don't go to Instagram for that stuff. Um, so why would I be going to Instagram for workout advice or for nutrition advice or things like that? I'm going, like you say, to YouTube or to Google, um, because that it just, the, it's, it's better use of my time. Um, and I think another big difference with, um, with YouTube is there's a, a certain vulnerability that you can incorporate into your, into your content. Um, which allows people to get to know you a little bit better than maybe on these short form burst videos that you're doing on Instagram and on TikTok and things like that. Um, I think there's a desire to, to be perfect on, on uh, Instagram and Facebook. And that's where people are still trying to, to give off that perfect little life kind of scenario. Um, I know myself from people that are in my orbit that, my channel and I, my channel did not start to grow. My second channel, not not referring to my workout channel, but it didn't start to grow until I started doing live streams. And and people flat out told me that um, once I started doing live streams, they they saw a different side of me. It was not as polished. Um, they felt like they they knew me, um, and they were getting to know me. And I was able to tell stories, and nothing was kind of perfectly pitched as it was coming out as compared because I mean, my background is journal broadcast journalism. So when I do get on uh, doing my produced videos, I'm trying to be very perfect. I can stop, I can jump cut, I can do all these things to make this perfect little video. And, and they're good informative videos. But when I started doing these 90 minute live streams where people could interact with me and that, there was a trust that happened there. So again, coming purely from the the uh, side of things where I'm trying to build business to to create revenue, that was huge um, because I do think at least half the time, if not more, fitness and health and nutrition and all these different facets of the fitness industry, it's an emotional buy-in, and that doesn't come without trust and without kind of connecting with somebody. Um, which I personally, and again, there's a lot of people that might say otherwise, but I don't find that is can happen very easily on your Instagrams and, and your TikToks and things like that. I think it's just more of a kind of a Buzzfeed style of, of, uh, of social media. And I think there's some additional barriers that make it difficult for an individual, an entrepreneur, a, a, a brand to really encourage individuals to make a sale. One is you kind of alluded to it. Instagram doesn't really have a, a, quality search functionality to it. There's no way to properly search and, and, you know, obviously you can run searches on keywords and topics, but there's no real depth to the search functionality of it and no real clarity on why certain things are pinging back um, the way they are. Um, also, we've been really conditioned and trained by Instagram to equate Instagram with free. Um, mm -hmm. Instagram has been rolling this thing out, uh, or so I, I'm watching them test it, where people can offer a paid subscription 
on their Instagram yes. channel. Yeah. I'm just thinking that's never going to work. There's no chance it's going to work. It, it was like when like a year ago, Instagram was trying to, they were testing it where you could tip people doing live videos on Instagram. I think it was probably during 2020 when everyone's doing lives, you could tip mm -hmm. people during a live broadcast, basically yeah. as a, as another monetization. I was like, that's never going to work. We've never equated Instagram to a paid service or, or a subscription service or an exclusive service. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to, that's a very big chasm to cross. Um, yeah. Whereas with YouTube, people find your YouTube video because they are already in a mode of searching. Right. It's not, you know, more often than not, it's not just presented to them unless they've watched some of your videos before. They've watched similar videos before. They went to YouTube with a search and thus you've reached them at a further step in that consumer journey, a step way closer to making a, a decision, whether it's a could be a decision to purchase. So I think that right there, you're just catching that audience at a much, a much warmer spot in their right. own journey as they're searching for things. And and I think when somebody is searching for things as opposed to stumbling upon something interesting, um, at that time and at that moment, it's destination programming for them. So chances are they're at a desk or they're in front of a smart TV actively searching for a particular thing. As opposed to like that, that kind of scrolling down your phone and it's like, oh, that's, that's interesting. And, you know, they, they watch it as long as they feel like it and they keep going on. So I, I do just think there's a, a more, um, just a little bit more focused in their searches. And, in, in, and I think those people also have more time to spend on the content because they're looking for it as opposed to stumbling upon it. Um, you know, and again, it's, it's a very distinct difference between you know, brand building and exposure versus um, revenue generating models. And, and I think that's, again, where maybe I confuse people sometimes because I'm always coming at this from the purpose of revenue. Um, you know, you could build a huge audience on Instagram, um, you know, maybe get sponsored ads, things like that. But I, I think even for 99% of the people out there, that's kind of a kind of a dead form of marketing. I know a lot of companies I work with, they don't do that anymore. Um, you know, why pay somebody $1,000 for a sponsored post when they can, you know, get 100 micro-influencers to do it and actually have a, a return on investment? Um, you know, so a, a lot of those models, I think, are becoming kind of archaic, but a lot of us are still kind of focused on that where it's like, I'm going to get lots of subscribers and then I'm going to have things offered to me. And then I'm I'm off to the races, but in in reality, there isn't really an end game to what they're doing. Um, whereas utilizing YouTube as your platform, you can build an A to Z end game very quickly and just start to reverse engineer that into an actual monetized like a monetized business. Um, you know, for example, I've I've got a course that I'm hopefully releasing in early 2023, which is going to be just a long form course on on building a, a YouTube channel that will generate a six-figure income in about 12 to 18 months if they do everything they're told. And, and I don't even like to say that because I don't like those marketing people that put those things out there, kind of like false amounts of money and stuff. Um, but I've actual like I've actually I'm I'm living proof of it for starters. Um my my YouTube income at, on its peak months is fifteen, sixteen thousand dollars a month, um, you know, and of course that has 
peaks and valleys depending on how much time I put into it, time of year, just like you know the the, the fitness uh, seasons that, that come and go. But um, it's it's based on the two percent rule, which is basically you know creating a certain amount of um, uh, organic uh, evergreen content pulling in the proper audience. And, and I specify proper audience versus just random subscribers. And then there's having community content to keep that, that audience. Then there's uh, converting 2% of, then there's basically a, a member's model. And then there's converting 2% of your members to clients, um, whether that be for coaching, for personal training, for nutrition and guidance, things like that. And then on top of that, there's all sorts of different side incomes that that you can create from that. And, and, and if you look at, the majority of, of my YouTube income comes from a channel that only has 2,500 uh, subscribers, which defies all metrics. That, But the difference is, is that I'm pulling that from eight different income streams um, as opposed to Google view, like AdSense stuff. When we look at uh, variations of content, uh, YouTube is really taken a lot of steps to expand what it's offering. I mean, you know, traditionally it was just straight videos and you had people who would do short form videos and people who do long form videos. And that was, that was pretty, and short form being like two to three minutes, long form being 30 hour, etc. And now we're seeing both of those. We're seeing what you do live broadcasting. Uh, and they also have like YouTube shorts, which is, I guess their version of, reels or TikToks. Um, mm -hmm. and is that is that all the different types of content or is there even more that they're testing? For YouTube? Yeah. The, the really exciting one for YouTube um, going into 2023 is uh, online courses. Mm. So they've actually got a model now where you can, you can build and, and sell your online course directly from YouTube, which that literally for, for, for the kind of plan that, that I lay out for my clients, they just removed an entire step. Like there's a level that you don't have to do now. Like, and I think that's fantastic. Um, but again, it goes back to building the right audience. If you have a random hodgepodge audience, um, selling them a $400 course off your channel would be very difficult. However, if you have an audience of, you know, 2000 women between ages, 30 and 45 who are 20 pounds overweight and they're looking for methods of losing weight and you've got this in an online course and um, that that's perfect because all you have to do is convert 2% of 2,000 people um, and, and you've just had a very successful online course. So those are the things that I, I love because now it's not a matter of, you know, having to send somebody and, and this happened before I even start, like I started my online course last year with full-on plans of, having to send people from my YouTube channel to my course. Now I don't have to do that. Um, and to me, that's huge because um, now my course is right there. Um, the, the only thing that I'm not sure of yet because it hasn't come out is um, what YouTube's take is going to be off of that because and the, their take on some of that stuff can be uh, a, a, quite a bit. But I also heard that they're going to be coming out very aggressive with this so that they may actually uh, reduce the amount of money that they take off these courses um, to really hopefully promote people to to do them uh, and to get them out there. So, yeah, this this is really interesting because, you know, as a as someone who creates and sells courses myself, um, we're going to pay at some point. Either we pay at the front end. So, like, you mm -hmm. know, we pay. uh 
a content delivery system to host our content and deliver the content, whether that's Entreport or Kajabi or some people use ClickFunnels or Thinkific or Teachable. You know, you have to pay this money up front and then you make money on the back end. They're not taking a cut mm-hmm. of that. Or you can pay on the back end, which is, is what what I hear YouTube setting up, which is, hey, we they have all the technology, no startup costs. You're not paying money up front, but they are going to take a little piece. They're going to take mm-hmm. a little bit of action off of everything you get. And for people who are just starting out who don't have the resources of the capital to pay an upfront cost to get something up and off the ground, like a membership site or a course site, something like that. This is a very attractive offer and could be a much, uh, much less expensive route to, to, yeah. to start generating revenue. Yeah. Uh, um, I mean, I will, I, I can't see how I won't use YouTube to, to push my course. If I have to adjust the price to get what I want to get out of it, um, I, I think it's well worthwhile because it's, it doesn't seem like it's a, a very difficult, but it is very difficult getting people to abandon where they're at and go somewhere else and then, and to buy something as opposed to having it housed right there on your channel. Um, and they can just basically pull the credit card right there. If they've ever bought anything on YouTube before, it's all set up. They press a button, they've got it, and you've got your money. Um, I, I think that it takes so much like effort. It reduces the effort by by a huge amount. Um, so I, I've only heard heard about it. I haven't seen this yet. It's supposed to come out, I believe, in January. Um, but I'm looking forward to seeing it. It'll be one of those videos that I'll review in the channel. Um, just to give my thoughts on it. But yeah, you're going to lose a chunk of the, there's going to be a cut that goes to them. Um, but but like you said, when, when you think of, okay, I'm going to put this on my website and now I'm going to advertise on Facebook and I'm going to advertise somewhere else, and I'm going to do extra videos on YouTube and I'm going to keep trying to funnel people to my website to buy this or to, you know, whatever those other apps are, streamable. Like there's so many different places that do courses now. Um, it's, if you put a, a price on your your man hours of your work, advertising costs, all these different things, it may not be that much um, in the long run. And here's something else I, I think I w- I'll point out with this. You know, running, I run a membership platform. One of the hardest things about running a membership platform is not, is I mean, one of it is obviously consumer conversion, getting people to sign up and, and become a member. But what's even harder is getting them to stay a member. And one of the reasons it's so difficult is we have this thing called churn, which is people on board for something, they don't use it, and then they end up canceling three months later. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons they don't use it is your website, not you specific, anyone's website is not going to be a top destination for your audience. It's just right. not. But what is a top destination? Google, Facebook. YouTube. These are top destinations. It's where they're going anyway. So if you can be where they are already, you drastically improve the opportunity for them to actually use the content that they paid for, which would reduce your churn. Mm-hmm. So it has a better usability for your audience as well. And I think that's that's really interesting. Um, you know, it has has there been any shift you've seen in regards to and this could just be industry specific, but 
length of content is is content that's shorter performing better shorter being you know the two <clears> to three <throat> minute range versus you know the the typically the long form content like let's say i put this podcast on on yeah. on youtube that would be an hour long youtube video i'm just right. curious if you've seen any or or is it just channel dependent industry dependent etc i have a hard time answering this question and i'll tell you why I'm I'm a big big believer personally that if your content is good, it can be five hours long. It, I, I don't think it matters at all um, if your content's good. Um, I will say that, and I'm going to have kind of a counterpoint to this point in a second. YouTube is pushing shorts big time right now. They're really 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 pushing shorts. Um, Shorts are great for like, I, again, I don't know exactly how it works, but it just seems that you're being rewarded right now for creating shorts. If you create shorts, I believe that you'll get um, a little more traction in terms of rising to the surface, maybe being exposed to more people that otherwise wouldn't see your content, um, which is good. However, for a lot of the ways that I teach people when it comes to YouTube, your, your content is going to... Um, just anybody. It's not actually targeted. So if you post something on photography and it gets 10,000 views in an hour, they're not reaching out and finding 10,000 people that watch photography videos and sending them your video. They're just basically elevating your video to the general public and people are scrolling through and flipping through their shorts and, and your video comes up. So whether they watch the whole thing or three seconds of it, you are getting that view. Um, you may get a few subscribers out of it. Um, I, I have a lot of clients right now that they they all tell me that they're getting some subscribers from uh, from their shorts. They're definitely getting lots of views from them, but it's not really converting to more business. It's not really converting to a lot more subscribers or traffic on their site or things like that. So I think there's a few people that might subscribe, um, but they're very casual fans at best. So again, that goes against um, a lot of, of my own personal uh style in terms of fitness people trying to grow on YouTube. Um, you know, great for some exposure, but I don't think it actually equates to brand growth. Um, so that's, but at the same time, I do believe in the fact that any platform that you are aware is pushing something on their platform, I do believe you should play with it a bit um, because there's obviously reasons why they're pushing it. Um, and I do think it's worth it to an extent. Um, so again, it's, it's hard for me to give a definitive answer. I, I played around with shorts just briefly, um, but I don't use it and, and because to me, it doesn't match the business model that I have right now. I do a lot of, um, I do a mix of long and short form content. I've had people complain that some of my content's too long, um, for something like what you and I are doing right now. Um, if you were putting this on a YouTube channel, for example, what I would do is, put it on in its in its long form. But also if there's any little clips that you and I talk about, I mean, you see it with, with Rogan's podcast, they'll take little clips about certain specific subjects and they'll post those as standalones. And, and so that way somebody who doesn't have the time or the attention span to listen to us, they'll watch the clips. And oftentimes what will happen is after somebody watches one or two good clips from you and I talking, they're like, I'm just going to watch the whole thing because this is really good stuff. So even though you're giving them the highlights, they're going to go back and they're going to, you know, throw on um, the long form and see what else might be in there. So it, it does kind of work in that sense. But yeah, like 
I'm very big on long form content. Um, not, not by, not just as long as it takes, if it takes you 11 minutes to explain a photography technique, then take 11 minutes. Um, I, I think condensing into 60 seconds probably kind of ruins the point you're trying to make. And yes, you might get some views, but they're going to be not so much, uh, the kind of views that, that you can convert into actual business. Um, if that <laughs> makes any sense. No, it absolutely does. And I think I think YouTube is trying to definitely capture a lot of the just consumer behavior. Consumers are are really, you know, digesting short form content, particularly on TikTok and on Instagram. Mm -hmm. So I think YouTube wants to play in that pool a little bit as well. But one thing I've noticed, and I don't know if this is just temporarily or this is by design, is when I run searches on YouTube, it doesn't show me shorts as a result. So the only time I can access shorts is from my home feed, you know, mm -hmm. and that's just the algorithm taking its best guess at what it wants to show me. So it's, I'm not being delivered shorts based off anything I've searched for in that moment. So my chance of watching a short <laughs> based off a search is next to zero. I'd have to be bored on my yeah. home screen, uh, you know, to, to be able to watch that. So I think that answers like, why people have been a lot more passive in regards to taking that next step after watching a short. Yeah. And I think that's something that's going to be changing soon. I think shorts are going to start showing up because I heard that they're actually going to start having shorts show up on, on, on TVs, like on smart TVs as well, mm. which, which I don't like that. I do like the fact that they've created um, an individual tab for shorts because one of the earliest things, and I, you can probably appreciate this too. Um, I'm very big on, on aesthetics of your channel, you know, having a nice banner, having a nice profile picture and having some nice, clean, high resolution thumbnails. Um, when shorts first came out and, and I had a lot of clients that were just dumping out shorts, like as fast as they could, suddenly you're getting these um, horizontal 60 second videos that are blurry and have no thumbnail on them in amongst all your nice thumbnails. And it was right there on your main page. And I hated that. So now they finally have created um, its own like community, like there's a community tab, there's a videos tab, there's a playlist tab. Now there's a shorts tab. So you can separate your shorts from your main channel, um, which at least aesthetically, I appreciate that because I, I just think that it just becomes such a hodgepodge mess when you start throwing all these things in there at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, like uh, another good point that I didn't mention in terms of, um, you know, as much as they're, pushing shorts and things like that and, and, and referring to um, length of videos. Uh, they're pushing shorts right now, but the fastest growing uh, portion of YouTube in 2022 is smart TVs. So the most people are still watching videos on their mobile devices. So that's, they're still the king, but the one that's growing the most right now is smart TVs. And I personally love that. I cater all my, my programming to smart TVs. Um, because when I look at my analytics and anybody can look at their analytics and see this, um, smart TV viewing is the longest view duration. So if you really want somebody who's paying attention to your channel, look and see, because chances are it's the people that are watching it on smart TVs. So if you cater to that audience, you're going to build that audience. And those are going to be the ones that, again, have the biggest chance of, of conversion to an actual client. That is such a critically important point. And you're yeah. absolutely right. When I'm on a mobile device, chances are I'm on the go. So right. I'm, I'm looking for something faster, quicker versus 
I I'm I'm on YouTube almost daily on mm-hmm. my smart TV, and there, it's it's about satisfying whatever the whatever the query was, whether it's I need to play a video for my son because he's cranky, or <laughs> I uh, nerding out again. I bought this board <laughs> game that had this like thirty page instruction booklet that I didn't want to read. So instead of spending ten minutes to read a thirty page booklet, I spent ninety minutes watching a YouTube video of someone teaching the thirty page booklet. Perfect. <laughs> not 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 the not the most efficient use of time, but far more entertaining for sure. And it's um, proof that you don't have to reinvent the wheel when you're making content either. <laughs> well, that 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 was exactly it. Like they didn't create the game. They didn't create uh, uh, anything. All they did was teach you how to understand something. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I've repaired, I've repaired my dishwasher. I repaired the lights in my stairwell. Um, there was something else I repaired in my house, uh, all from just YouTube videos. Like mm-hmm. it, it's just like, it's amazing how much we are cons- uh, using this content uh, intentionally. Now, a question I had is so many of my audience, myself included, wear multiple hats. Like myself, I, I so much of my audience is going to be health and wellness entrepreneurs like you, but mm-hmm. I'm also growing and and nurturing an audience of creatives, photographers. Um, these are two pretty different audiences, and there might be some content that overlaps between the two, but by and large, they're going to want to see different things. Would you recommend, if someone is in a similar position, to have one channel but different playlists that that satisfy these two different audiences or create very separate channels based off the separate audiences that you're trying to approach. So are you thinking in in um like to your to your like in for example yourself? Like mm-hmm. I, it, it my what would the two play give me two examples of two different subjects that somebody might cover. Like what, so what are you thinking in your head? If I'm thinking like for my audience that is health and wellness entrepreneurs, my channel is mainly focused on earned media, uh, brand building, marketing, sales, uh, mm-hmm. everything for um, growing audience awareness and nurturing that awareness and converting it into, into clients. So everything I teach through my conference and my podcast, et cetera. Uh, the other audience, be it creative professionals, this would be behind the scenes lighting tutorials, mm-hmm. uh, talking about photo gear, uh, talking about post-production techniques. So once again, not a lot of overlap between yeah. the two topically. Um, would this mean I should have two different channels or could they coexist in the same channel, but on different playlists? I think in that case, um, they could coexist. Um, and and I take that kind of stuff as a, a case by case basis. When I first decided to do a second YouTube channel, and and that was Fitness Marketing Hub, and where I was going to talk more about how I grew my channel, it was so hard the thought of starting from zero. When at that time I think I had ten thousand subscribers that were active on my other channel. Um, but in hindsight, I'm glad I did. It took me 12 months to get monetized on the new channel. And now the, the new channel makes more than the other channel. And it's, it's, it's very difficult. And, and again, I think this is in your case. Yes. I would say those two things can coexist because I think somebody who is looking for marketing and brand advice as it pertains to fitness, I think they also are looking for 
how do I use my camera? How can I do this myself? Like things like that. And I think a photographer that comes pops in to do that, I don't think they they would mind the marketing stuff. Um, Cause a lot of people that are looking up that stuff, they're, they're, what you're doing is you're showcasing, this is, you know, for lack of a better word, this is my freelance lifestyle as a photographer, um, you know, and, and you could be a photographer for a corporation doing something and making good money, but instead you are doing it on your own. You've got, you know, tons of clients, you've had tons of magazine coverage, you've made tons of connections, you've, you've opened a new studio, you're doing, you've got this conference you do every year, like all these things are related to you um, and to your brand. So I, I think they will coincide. But when it comes to a more standard health and fitness person, um, oftentimes that's where the problems will start with, with kind of pooling multiple subjects. And, and this comes both for, for growth and for monetizing. And we may have touched on this in the past, but um, when you're first starting to make content, um, I always say it, it's got to be you know, evergreen content. It's got to be the kind of content that will pull in random people. Um, but it has to be focused on a particular subject. The reason is, is that you're not actually selling your content to people. You're selling your content at first to the YouTube algorithm. And the YouTube algorithm is trying to understand who you are. And, and that's so if you post photography video, photography lighting, uh, you know, photography, best photography gear, best cameras of 2023, most consumer friendly cameras of 2023, photography, photography, over time, they start to realize, okay, this guy is a photography guy. And they, and they realize that. So now they're able to look at their own database of all the people that are out on YouTube in that world of that 2 billion people that do a lot of searches for photography, lighting, photography, cameras, best camera to buy, um, you know, best lens for the Sony, such as a, like all these things, then they start to filter them towards you. Now, with fitness people, when they do, you know, 20 minute dumbbell workout, um, grocery haul, what I did last week, what I like to wear to the beach, um, my opinion on something, another workout, like they're, when they're all over the place, the algorithm does not know who they are because they're so to this person, this is my fitness life. But to the algorithm, it's like, here's a person, they're at the beach, they're at the grocery store, they're in their kitchen, they're making a smoothie, they're working out, they're at the gym, they're trying on clothes. It, so because it can't define definitively who you are, it's like, well, let's try sending it to these people. And then they, it becomes a broader search. Let's send it to other women aged 25 to 50. And what happens is you're going to go out to random people. You'll still get the impressions um, in terms of being showcased to people, but you're being showcased to random people. Most of them are going to skip on your videos because they're not interested in that stuff. And that hurts your impressions because every time somebody sees your video on their homepage and doesn't click on it, um, that's bad for you. That's your click-through rates go down. Um, if they click through, they watch three seconds of a video and say, oh, this isn't for me and they leave, then your average view duration goes down. So the algorithm starts to um, calculate all of these different metrics and they're like, this channel can't be very good. People don't click on the videos. They're not watching very long. Let's show it to less people. It's obviously not something that's going to grow for us. And, and YouTube algorithms sole purpose is to keep people on YouTube. And if your videos aren't doing that, then they don't need you. 
And this is what happens to so many people, as opposed to if you were to do all kettlebell workouts and it's all 20 minute kettlebell workers, 20 minute kettlebell, 20 minute kettlebell, 20 minute kettlebell, or I'm just using that as an example. They know you are a kettlebell workout channel. They know who's searching for kettlebell workouts. They're going to send it to those people. And not all those people are going to like your channel, but your odds are much higher. Um, so that's a, a big, big, big thing. And that's why, but again, in your case, I do think your things can be, can be pulled together because it all does relate to photography, creative marketing, branding. I think that can go together nicely. Um, but it, it, again, it varies case to case. I think so often as content creators, we forget how we act as content consumers, um, you know, uh, to, parallel what you just said and relate it to Instagram. If I find, let's say a reel, then I really like this reel. And I, I follow this reel to a person's account. If I don't find a lot of content that is almost identical thematically, uh, uh, topically to what I just saw, I bounce. I'm out. Because <laughs> I don't really know, like, okay, was this a one-off? Is this was this a mistake? Did I, am I on the wrong person's account? You know? So like I found this young chef in New York and I found a video of him preparing a, a vegan recipe and I'm not vegan, but my son has a severe dairy allergy. So I found this interesting. So I'm like, all right, let me go to this guy's account, find out he has hundreds of vegan recipe videos. Mm -hmm. Follow immediately. I'm yeah. in. And then consuming lots of content of his. So when he drops a book for sale, of course, I buy it because right. I, I went through the entire consumer journey. I found out who he was. He satisfied a need that I had. He had lots of content that I could consume that was within that focus or within that need. You know, I, I call it bingeable content. Yeah. And <clears throat> it nurtured me so much that when something was for sale, I bought it. Had the cookbook been available sooner, I would have bought it sooner. And I think, we forget that. And so we are all over the place. We are scattered. We are mm -hmm. posting a little bit about this over here and a little bit about that over there. And we don't have a consistent presence right. on our platforms. And, and with YouTube in particular, you're saying that the algorithm actually depends on, on the consistency of your content. And without mm -hmm. that consistency, it's it's going to be exponentially harder to reach the right, right. audience. And there's, there's no shortcuts on this because, you know, I have clients who have paid for Google advertising to have their videos bumped up. And again, anything that I know a client's doing, I want to do as well because I want to be able to understand it fully. So I bought advertising. Um, I did a video in January and it was, I think it was the top 10 growing niches on YouTube for fitness for workout videos and um, good video on its own um, and, and good information. But I'm like, I want to put bump it out there to see what happens. But because I'm not able to specify, I want only personal trainers who have YouTube channels to watch this video. You know, I can say I want men and women in the United States between this age and this age, like who have an interest in health and fitness. That's about as exact as I can get. So this video got a huge bump of views, but uh, the my my uh, click through rates were really low because most people were bypassing it. Because how many people really are interested in um, 
the top 10 workout niches on YouTube. You have to have a YouTube workout channel to like this video. So they were bypassing it. And then a lot of people that clicked on it, probably because there was like an attractive model on the thumbnail, um, watched it for about four seconds. So my click-through rates were down, which brought down the, the, my impressions on my whole channel. And, um, and my average view duration went way down. And this stuff hurts your channel. So again, and, and this is where I, I try so hard. And <laughs> I always pick on fitness people. Maybe it's across the board with creatives sometimes. But, you know, nine out of 10 people would think, oh, wow, I got, you know, in two days, I got an extra 5,000 views on my video. But not realizing through looking at your analytics that you actually damaged your channel. And it took me probably with three months to get back on track with where my analytics were before um, because I paid to have my video bumped. So it, it, it's, you know, and, and even like with what you were saying with that chef, it doesn't take much for somebody's, um, uh, for them to kind of lose their, their interest in somebody, um, you know, the attention span. And if amongst these different recipes that this chef did, if he suddenly decided to go to Miami for a week for vacation and all you start seeing are selfies of him and his girlfriend on the beach and all that, you may very well unfollow because you're not interested in him. You signed up for those recipes for a particular purpose and you are his perfect client because like you said, he comes out with a book, you're, you're listening because you're there for the content. And that's the thing that I find a bit hard with Instagram is, is that we kind of get into this bubble of a community and everybody's just kind of posting personal stuff. And this is what I did and I'm blessed to do this. And, and it really doesn't become it with the content. So conversion, like, like personal trainers that are trying to convert people over Instagram. And I mean, I'm sure there's some success stories out there, but it's a heck of a lot easier, particularly for digital training programs to do this on YouTube because content is the primary, you are the supporting actor when it comes to YouTube content. I know you had mentioned YouTube is really rewarding individuals who lean into creating shorts in, in, in addition to the other amounts of content they create. Is there an approach you recommend for content distribution through, through YouTube? Is it one video a week, a couple of videos a week? What sort of time commitment can individuals who are going to pursue this really start to one expect, but also schedule for themselves. I think there's no set certain amount. I I mean, I have successful channels that post once a week and that's it. And they do great, but it's destination. They, they post the video the same time, same day, every week. Um, and, and that works for people. But I, I think it's a matter of when you're starting out, <clears throat> Thinking in the long term is, is what kind of a posting schedule can I keep up with? Because I know like my business is I'm getting busier now and I always cap at a certain amount of coaching clients because there's only so many I can take on and still give full attention to their channels. Um, but everybody gears up in January and they start pumping out content and they go and they go and pump it and they're they're so determined this is the year, but then they fall off because they can't keep up with their own creation like they you know you can't and and for for again going back to fitness people and people that have a, a background teaching classes they try and do a class schedule where it's like oh yeah four times a week come join me and it's like you don't need to do that in order to build a good on online audience because quite honestly on youtube your subscribers are going to cheat on you they're not going to do every one of your classes because it's just there's so many people on the platform who are offering good stuff 
But that doesn't mean they don't love your work. It's they're not going to jump in with you once or twice a week. So you don't have to do a class schedule. You don't have to do a 30-day program that just do good quality workouts. I, I tell my clients all the time, I would rather you post one high quality, well put together, well edited video per week than three crappy ones. Um, you know, where you've you've rushed it, you've you've skipped on things that could have improved it. You didn't focus your camera because you're rushing to get all three done and like little things like that. I was like, I'd rather you take your time and make that one video perfect than to do three that are just okay. Um, so really as in it's not so much um the amounts, it's pick a schedule and then try and and adhere to that. Like so if if you're um, conditioning people to drop one video a week, drop one a week. And then on a bonus week, maybe they get two. That's, that's great for you. But at least, you know, that at the very least it's one new, one new workout a week. I love that. Um, where can listeners go to, to check out more of the work you're doing? I know you have your, your fitness marketing hub, but, uh, where, where can they go to connect with you and, and learn more about how you're supporting individuals and launching their own channels? Um, there's different places. I mean, my website is www.208inc.com um, and there's email stuff through there. Like, so people will send me questions through there um, at Regan underscore Rogerson on Instagram. Um, easy way to uh, to reach out. And then the, the channel uh, on YouTube is uh, at Fitness Marketing Hub. And um, those would be the big three. I mean, if, if you're a trainer and you're trying to grow your channel, that would be the place, my, my workout channel is Trainer Hub. Um, it can give you an idea of what started it for me on YouTube. Cause I mean, that, that channel, I admittedly, that channel, I, I don't want to say I let it fall apart, but I got so busy with other projects um, this year that it didn't get the attention it deserves. So I'm kind of in a rebuilding version with that now. But um, with that said, I mean, we're already working on 2023 now. We just did a new, um, got a new major sponsor. Um, so we're going to be re-equipping the studio. We're going to be adding a lot more home gym content. Um, we've started our first members platform and we're starting to work on that, doing weekly live stream workouts and, and online webinars and things like that. So there's a lot of things happening there, but most of that stuff I talk about in detail on the other channel. It's like, here's what I'm doing. I try and be very transparent with the good and the bad. Like right now, like I said, I'm I'm repairing my channel because I took some time off. Um, lots of people do that. So I think that's good content for people. It's like, here's what I'm doing. This worked, this didn't work. You know, try it amongst yourselves. Um, so those would be the big places, I think. And, and as far as that, and of course, they can always reach out to you and, and you can connect me too. Absolutely. And we're going to make sure all those links are in the show notes. And just want to thank you so much, man. It's always a pleasure chatting with you. And um, hopefully we don't wait a whole year to have you back on. Definitely, man. Like I said, I'm I'm I'd love to get to uh, to the event and you're doing your new events, different name now, right? If I'm not mistaken. Yes. It's not, yes. It's get published live and it's get in published May. And now it's in May. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm thinking about that. I'd love to get down for that. So who knows? Maybe it's a good be a time live, to be in uh, Arizona. What's that? It's a good May? time I've to be in, in Arizona. I've been yeah. there in May before. It's beautiful. Yeah. Right before Great it gets spot. brutal. <laughs> Sounds awesome, good, buddy. man. This was great. Thank you so much. No problem. Thank you so much for listening to the Beyond the Image podcast. Please follow, like, and review wherever you happen to listen to the show. And if you want to connect to me, you can find me at jamespatrick.com, Instagram at jpatrickphoto, or you can text me any of your marketing questions to 480 605 
3254. Thanks again. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.